Hey everybody, welcome back to Crafted on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Well, we've had a little bit of a hiatus here on the Crafted Podcast, but I want to assure you that we are back and in full force, and we are going to have some incredible conversations heading your way, including today's conversation. But I'm going to get to that in just a second, because what I want to first talk about is actually our last Crafted Podcast conversation with the artist Jeff McFetridge, because... Just after recording that conversation with Jeff, well, a documentary film about Jeff's life called Jeff McFetridge, Drawing a Life, premiered at South by Southwest, and then, of course, promptly won the Audience Award for Documentary Feature at South by Southwest. So, folks, rest assured that the people that we are inviting onto Crafted These are folks doing big things in the world. And that includes our two guests today, Connor Brown and Brandon Capps. Connor is the founder of Offset Beer in Park City, Utah. And Brandon is the founder of New Image right here in Colorado. And while both of these very good brewers have appeared on Crafted before, today they are on Crafted together for the first time. And man, you are about to see why I probably actually should never only talk to one of them at a time anymore. You should always just have the both of them on. But to back up again a little bit more, today's conversation is really being driven by a question that I've had for a long time, and that is, why exactly are there so many collabs in the beer world? And since we are huge fans of Offset Beer and New Image Brewing, and given that Connor and Brandon have now done a couple of collabs themselves, well, I figured I would put this broader question to Connor and Brandon and then get into how they themselves have been working together, what this looks like, how this all came about, And as you will see, folks, there's a reason why we are titling this episode Beer Collabs, A Love Story. This episode of Crafted is presented by our Blister Craft Collective, which is a small but growing collection of some of our favorite craft companies across a number of different verticals. So we will include a link to the Blister Craft Collective in the show notes of this episode, and I would strongly encourage you to check out that list and try some of the products from the companies there. First, because these are companies that support the independent work that we do here at Blister, but also these are among some of our favorite companies in the world, and we are confident that they will be some of your new favorite companies too. And with that, let's go ahead and get to my conversation with Connor and Brandon and We will also include in the show notes of this episode the previous crafted conversations that I've had both with Connor and Brandon. So how convenient is that? Okay, let's talk about beer collabs and love stories. Here we go. All right, well, this conversation 
has been not quite a year in the making, but but we're approaching a year in the making. Very happy to be here with Connor Brown and Brandon Caps. And it's nice to be talking about beer again here on the Crafted Podcast. It's been a been a minute, and so I feel like, you know, all is right with the world, and we're back to having some good dork beer conversations. So both Brandon and Connor have already been on Crafted, but they have not been on Crafted together. And so today is the day. And let's do this. Connor, why don't you start and just tell us a little bit about your brewing company, Offset? Yeah, we're located in Park City. I think we're celebrating about 19 grand total months in business. So super veteran here in the brewing in the brewing <laughs> space. Yeah, just wanted to try and create a, a cool, fun space for our community for people to come and and have a good beer and enjoy a conversation together. And you know, there's really not a lot of people, unfortunately, opening businesses for people that live here. And just wanted to have a space that was really easily accessible to. Yeah, both locals and tourists, but um, yeah, to come, yeah, enjoy some modern hoppy beer and traditional kind of European style lager beer. So far, so good. We're still in business. Haven't failed yet. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Uh, 19 months in, and I mean, it seems from my vantage point, it's been a pretty productive 19 months. you know, when when we first talked and you were one of the very first episodes that we did when Crafted, I was out in Park City. Um, the reason that we got in touch is because you were already making a name for yourself, certainly in the Utah beer scene with being, uh, well, making a really top shelf product. And it doesn't really seem, again, from my vantage point that you've lost any sheen <laughs> on that over the 19... 19- these 19 months. So I guess way to, way to go. <laughs> yeah. The sheen, the sheen is still there, I think. Um, yeah, I, I'm super excited about the beer that we're making and, um, you know, great response from our community. People are, yeah, I think psyched on the space and psyched on the beer and, you know, psyched on the kind of community activation stuff that we do, which is, um, big part of our business and all things considered where we are, I think pretty excited about, yeah, what we've, what we've been up to so far. So. And Brandon Caps, tell us a bit about New Image and exactly how many months New Image has been in business. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so take a second to do some math. I still there'd be no math. <laughs> I know, but this is for Brandon. Notice I didn't really ask you any <laughs> math, Connor. I know better. Yeah. So uh, New Image Brewing Company, we're located in Colorado. Uh, original location was... Uh, it still is in Old Town, Arvada, and our newer location is in Wheat Ridge, not too far away. Arvada has been open for 97 months, <laughs> and and Wheat Ridge has been open for 13. So, I've got one older kid and one younger kid <laughs> than Connor's, but the younger ones are close enough in age that mm-hmm. they'll probably grow up together. Wow. Wow. Children as breweries, that's... Uh... I guess we, you know, businesses in general, founders tend to think of their businesses as kids, I suppose. So it's not too much of a reach there. But uh, okay. All right. I like that. I like that. They're, Baby- they're demanding in a similar <laughs> capacity. Mm. They take mm-hmm. all of your money and time <laughs> and uh, you lie awake at night <laughs> thinking about them. Worrying about them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sometimes they wake you up, you know, just your phone's ringing instead of crying. It's all in all, relatively similar. 
I think it's easier to kill a business, though. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, yeah, it might might be obvious to our listeners at this point that the three none of, none of the three of us have children, actually, which probably checks out for the parents out there. But uh, my goodness, well, helpful. I think quite helpful on that front. Well, here's the thing. Today we're here to talk about collabs in the beer world, in part because you two have been doing some collabs together. We've got some new things to talk about, but frankly, this really got started for me with just the broader question of why there are so many beer collabs in the beer world. Um, We don't see this. I was thinking today, actually, like I'm not aware of like pizzerias like collabing with other pizzerias, maybe that's a thing and I'm just completely in the dark on this one. It strikes me that while I don't see this happening in at least a lot of other industries, it is such a staple in the craft beer world. So I don't quite wish to ask you to speak for you know the entire craft world on this. I would be interested in getting your thoughts on why you think this has been such a staple and what led you folks to working together. Brandon? Yeah. I think to speak to just the nature of collabs in general, I think that one of the foundational um, kind of requirements is maybe they tend to lean more towards the world of manufacturing. Um, even if like what you're manufacturing is not necessarily like a tangible good. And you know, if you're manufacturing music as an example, um, being a producer of something uh, that is a a brand and a product, I think sets you up a little bit more to have, um, I guess a productive outcome from a collaboration. So that might be a difference just off the cuff between your given example, uh, breweries, a lot of people access us and think of us in the retail context. Um, but I think that we identify very heavily as manufacturers in terms of the way we approach and run our businesses. And I think the other piece of that is that our brands tend to work more like manufacturers in kind of how they exist in the market versus a retailer. Um, Something is a bit more scalable about a brewery brand than a restaurant brand. And maybe that's because you can like grab a can of beer and throw it in a package and ship it to somebody, whereas you can't really do that so much with a pizza. So you know, if you're a pizzeria collaborating from Chicago to Italy, maybe it doesn't have the same effect as a brewery doing the same kind of thing. But I don't think it's completely missing in the world of food, uh, but it, it looks quite different and is probably not nearly as frequent. And yeah, I think brewers in general are just kind of like friendly people who don't have the business sense to keep our intellectual property to ourselves either. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That, that that's it. I think our work here is done. So uh, it's been great talking with both of you, and thanks for answering my question. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, Connor, is it a lack of business savvy to protect IP? Is that why there's so many collapses? <laughs> no, in the beer actually, world? I, I disagree with Brandon. I think it is it is it is business savvy that actually is the reason why a lot of these actually happen because it's such a, a marketing opportunity, and a, 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 especially. I mean, depending, I think where on where your brand is in its life cycle, and 
um, you know, obviously being able to, for us, being able to work with Brandon, a brewery that's um, clearly established, has a much larger fan base, customer reach, everything. Um, you know, I think it's a great, you know, not not only a fun experience, and uh, but also a, a great business opportunity to be able to, you know, work with someone that's, uh, yeah, has a much bigger reach uh, than we do. You know, it's a way for us to get our brand in front of totally new customers. Yeah. So I don't know. I think there's, I, I disagree with Brandon. I think there is some, there's some business savvy that goes into it. <laughs> a business reasoning that goes into it for sure. My statement was not all encompassing <laughs> about the business savvy nature of collapse. <laughs> I want to put you both on the spot. I want you to name either one of the sort of original collabs you can think of in the craft beer world, or I will let you off the hook if need be and have you name one of either your favorite collabs or just one of the more interesting collabs that comes to mind. But let's let's see if we can get a little historical here. Yeah. Hmm. See, this is the part of the conversation we made the analogy to like tired parents that are like asked any question and they're like, oh man, it, we've just been trying to keep the babies alive. Let me pull out a photo album <laughs> yeah, and see if I can totally. remember <laughs> anything. Honestly, I feel like probably one of the first collabs that I am aware of, and I highly doubt that it's anywhere close to the first that happened, um, but it's a famous one. It's a beer called Collaboration, Not Litigation between Avery Brewing Company and Russian River Brewing Company. And the idea came from the fact that they... I can't remember who infringed on who. It was likely Avery who infringed upon Russian River. But I'm honestly not positive that's true. They both had a beer named... Do you remember, Connor, which one it was? Mm -mm. I don't. I, I, I vaguely remember. I know what you're talking about for sure, but I don't actually remember what the beer is. Yeah. It was, you know, it was like along the lines of like supplication or divination or one of those old religious sounding terms. And they both released a beer under that name. Um, and then when it was brought to light, they decided to turn it into a collaboration between the two of them rather than unnecessary fighting over um, who owns the name. So I think that was one of the first ones I heard of when I was first getting into craft beer. And it's certainly one that I think showcases kind of the general nature of craft beer as the majority of us experience it. There certainly is litigation and trademark dispute and all sorts of that in our industry as well. But generally, brewery to brewery, things tend to be pretty friendly, even when there is conflict or, we you know, if it's accidental or whatever brings it about. So, Connor, I think we talked about this on the crafted conversation we had, but Remind us, when did you first meet Brandon? Uh, I first met Brandon, I think, was that August, Brandon? Uh, I think it was earlier. June. I think it was June. Yeah, we kind of have a, a mutual a mutual friend or yeah. a mutual, yeah, good patron of both of our businesses who used to live in Colorado, now lives in Park City and knew Brandon pretty well. And he, uh, yeah, I think when you were out here, he reached out to you and you guys met up at, at Offset and yeah, we struck up a conversation. Uh, yeah, I think it was June because it was like the weekend that we moved Celine out here and she had to travel. So I stayed, took care of the dog, met up with Tom, went to your place, brought the dog. And uh, yeah, 
we had a conversation while the dog had a panic attack. <laughs> wow. Um, that story always makes me kind of sad because I like the idea that I introduced the two of you. And in my head, that's kind of the way it went. It just might not be historically accurate. Sure. You, you can believe whatever you want. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's fine by, fine by me. <laughs> totally. <laughs> can we just, yeah, we could just cut out your, uh, the, the patron and we'll just going forward. It was, it was me. And so you're welcome. So yeah, par- pardon our terrible memory. It was that lovely evening where you introduced us all um, after a day of horseback riding. <laughs> well, it wasn't quite like that, but uh, I, I must have come shortly after because I've known both of you for a while and Connor was establishing this uh, reputation with his young brewery. New Image is a brewery people already know, if you know. And so, anyway, all right, well, I, I'm going to bow out of this uh, credit-taking attempt on my part of the story. But let's then fast forward. You guys start talking about beer. You start hanging out a bit and apparently have been doing some skiing this winter? Yep. Quite a bit. Say more. Uh, we've skied a lot of powder this winter. <laughs> uh, it's no, I don't know if you, I don't know if you're aware, but it's really been kind of, it's snowing a fair amount in Utah this winter. So, uh, yeah, we've, we've had quite a few fun pow days and actually Brandon's come up, uh, for our uphill ski club nights that we do on Thursdays quite a few times actually. Um, yeah, so we've, we've spent a fair amount of time together on chairlifts and skinning up the resort. So. Yeah, it's been it's been great. Obviously, an unbelievable. You know, Brandon's used to skiing in Colorado, which, as we know, you know, is far inferior to skiing here in Utah. So, uh, yeah, there's been no Colorado powder days this year. There's been just actual powder days for Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow. Okay, where have you skied the most inbounds together? Yeah, probably Deer Valley. The Buck. Can I? Can I? Make jokes about that. You can you can make jokes talking all trash about you Colorado, want, Jonathan. That's totally fine. Okay, okay. I've never been to Deer Valley. I hear the groomers are lovely. Yep, they're great. That's you should never come. To be perfectly honest, yeah. No door should anybody else. It's terrible. You would no one would no one would actually enjoy it. <laughs> okay, okay. No, it's great because um, it's you know it, I think Brandon would tell you even even living in Salt Lake, you know, on a powder day, uh, trying to get up to the Cottonwoods could be a little bit of a conundrum. So. You can, it's, there's no, you know, there's, yeah, it's much easier to get to go skiing, especially if you don't have a full day to dedicate, you know, you've got other things to do or stuff to do later in the day. It's definitely from an access standpoint, it becomes a little bit easier. And yeah, there's a lot of great terrain. And uh, this, uh, especially this year, actually, most, so many of the storms have come from the South. Uh, and when the storms come from the South in Utah, um, deer, the Wasatch back actually gets almost as much snow as, as Alta and Snowbird and, and Brighton and Solitude. So when they come from the Northwest, it's a different story, but so the, actually the, the resorts back here have been, uh, doing incredibly well. So, um, I had the second deepest day of my life actually at Deer Valley this winter. So maybe, maybe I'll come sometime. And don't worry about it. You're, you're fine. Yeah, it's Crested, it's, it's fine. a little, Crested, just saying Crested Butte, it's fine. <laughs> it's, it's only a little bit of compromise to roll up to Deer Valley and ski in 18 inches when Solitude's getting 22. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Thanks for the non-invite, Connor. You weren't even like, wow, no, definitely. Let's go ski sometime in Utah. You're just like, stay where you are. So, all right. So much for collabs. You don't want want to come here. Okay. Let's talk more specifically about 
the collabs that you guys are working on. And Brandon Connor mentioned, he was like, yeah, like collabing with New Image, that's great. Like you guys are bigger, you have a broader reach, you're better established. Well, so what was in it from your point of view to work with Connor aside from he's kind of your ski buddy now? Yeah, I mean, for one, uh, it's fun to do projects with friends. It's fun to put things together that give you an excuse to spend more time with people you enjoy. Um, Because there's been a good handful of collabs that I've done over the years where that's not the case. (laughs) And it's like, it's good for branding. Maybe you learn something in the process about uh, beer that you want to produce. But there's just not like that organic friendship and enjoyment in the experience. So I think that's part of it. I think, I mean, there's a lot of factors there. Connor is not nearly as burnt out by some of the aspects of owning a business over the course of eight years um, that start to kind of get a bit old and jaded. So it's been a refreshing perspective to have um, him be excited about things that I feel like a brewery of our age has become maybe a bit jaded about because our audience has changed and the beer scene where we are has changed. And um, I don't think the things that are as new and interesting here are as new and interesting in our market all the time. So I think it's fun because his eyes are set on some stuff that I'm uh, not paying as much attention to, or maybe don't see. Um, so, and I, I would say too, that like, I have a ton of great peers in this industry that I really respect, but a lot of them spend all their time thinking about marketing and employees and, you know, legal structures, uh, because you just have to, the big, the bigger your businesses get, the more and more your time that takes up. And, Connor is still listening to podcasts about wacky ingredients and talking about different types of uh, acids and the impact they might have on hot flavor. And it's just something that uh, a lot of a lot of my other peers are not spending as much time thinking about anymore. So I think he helps me to come back to some things that have maybe fallen off my radar for the sake of uh, managing a large team and all the compliance and paperwork that comes with that. So yeah, enjoying time, opportunity to learn. And I really believe in the brand that they're building up in Park City, the community involvement. And we've actually, beyond making beers together, it's been an inspiration for some of the like in-person activities we're doing at our tap room and modeling after some of their, uh, their bike club and uphill club and things of that nature for um, how we can create more community events at our tap rooms. So definitely goes beyond just beer. That's a pretty good answer. Like really good answer. I think Connor comments on that. I still am, you know, pretty wet behind the ears and still very much approach beer from a, almost from a consumer perspective. Like I'm, I've been a a consumer much longer than I have been a manufacturer or some or creator. Um, so yeah, still I think you'll be really excited about nerding out about beer, and um, Brandon loves to nerd out about beer, uh, which is great. I mean, we uh, yeah talks you know I think um, talk some pretty technical technical things, but 
I, I don't know. I've, I think I said in the original podcast, like I've never really appro- uh, felt a need to or desire to pursue knowledge as much as I have with beer and brewing and like, I, I didn't, I, um, you know, Brandon was a, an engineer, but I, I have no like science background or anything like that, but it's amazing how the, the real, uh, intricate science behind it is really what's been incredibly interesting to me. So, um, just to have, you know, someone to speak about who, you know, I think I put this in the, the description for the collaboration that, you know, we are canning tomorrow. that will be out tomorrow is like, Brandon has used it, probably every ingredient as used just about done about every process brewed about every style so i mean has been an unbelievable resource for us when it comes to yeah try you know if we want to make a new beer with an ingredient uh, that i kind of have a good idea but i i'm i'm always reaching out to brandon uh, be like hey man have you, he's like oh yeah i've done this i've done it this way this way this way this way and uh, this is what i would recommend and that to have that that resource is is unbelievable especially for a brewery our size when we're just you know, learning, learning a lot of these things. And I think that's just like kind of how this industry really works is it's definitely, um, it's amazing how readily people are, um, uh, there to share information, um, and what's worked for them and what hasn't worked for them. And, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool for sure to be exposed to it. Mm. So, man, y'all just provided really good answers. And I mean, basically to sum up, Brandon talking about the kind of fresh perspective and enthusiasm and the to uh, bring in a little bit of Aristotle, a little bit of the wonderment around some of this stuff that uh, bad news for you, Connor, if Offset continues to be more successful, as Brandon said, you will get pulled more into paperwork, legal bullshit, everything else in the world. And so, you know, while Brandon has kind of seen it all been there, done that, is hyper curious about the actual craft of making all this stuff, but finds himself getting pulled away. What a nice little relationship this has been. It's like a love story. It's like a, it's a bromance. Mm -hmm. I like it. It is a love story. (laughs) So let's do this. Briefly, I'd like to hear each of you talk for like, let's say 60 seconds or less on the specific collab well, I guess how well explain how this even works, right? Like Connor's kind of announcing launching one. Brandon recently announced a different one. Um, talk about how you got there, what the beer is, and then we'll kind of back up and break it down a little bit about the conversations that happened around those things, the manufacturing of these things, etc. Brandon, you want to go first? Sure. So we have a festival in Colorado. Um, that is just all about celebrating collabs um, and collaboration in the brewing industry. And so we we do one every we do beers every year for it. We do an in-state collab and then we do an out-of-state collab. And so for our out-of-state, hit up Connor and said, "Hey man, you want to be our out-of-state collab this year?" He said yes. Um, also came out and uh, attended the festival which me with me, which was fun. Um, and uh, we got to pour together, which was real good time. Uh, so yeah, first step was got this festival coming up, uh, want to brew a beer for it. And then started talking about ideas and a lot of times, and I think this is true of most, uh, collab beers. It starts from a perspective of like, what do both parties have an interest in or something to contribute to? And then what makes sense 
given the window that's open in terms of what to offer. You know, if you've brewed three double IPAs that week, probably brewing a fourth isn't going to be productive. Um, and so looking at everything that we kind of had on our calendar and what was coming out, um, and also what would be interesting to bring to that particular event, decided to go with a uh, lager style um, that was approached from a, a newer kind of methodology that's been gaining speed in recent years, uh, West Coast Pilsner. Uh, and then the conversation evolved from there. I don't know if you want me to keep going. That was well over 60 seconds. Yeah, already. it was way long. You, you kind of failed on that answer. You, like you didn't tell us what the name of the beer is. Blizzard of Hops. <laughs> Blizzard of Hops. Is Hops spelled H? Is H? Is it H many O's P.S. or H many A's P.S.? A's, yeah. It's H-H-A-A-A-H-H-P-S. Hops? It's Hops. Yeah. Gotcha. gotcha. Bl- we were we were watching the Blizzard of Oz um, at his tap room hmm. after one of the uphill nights, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so I was like, "Why don't we? Why don't we do a Blizzard of Hops? Why not?" I can't actually believe that that hasn't been done yet. So it's genius! C- congrats! Like you nailed that one. That's so good that no one has grabbed that yet. Yeah, well done. To be honest, I don't know if we were the first to do a blizzard of hops, but I think we were the first to do a blizzard of hops. So is is that how we all have to say it going forward? The little sing songy? Ah. Okay. I guess yeah. I guess the answer is yes. Okay. So that's that one. We're gonna get back to what a West Coast Pilsner is. Okay. Uh but before we do, Connor, what did you unveil yesterday? Um, yeah, we actually, it's the same exact style and, uh, our a previous collaboration that we actually did with Brandon, uh, in October was also this kind of the same style, although done a little bit differently. Uh, but yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, we call it, we call it new world Pilsner. Or I call it new world Pilsner. Uh, it's the same thing as West coast Pilsner. Some people call it California Pilsner. Some people, yeah, it has a bunch of different names, but, um, yeah, it's, I think this kind of style that, um, is interesting to both of us. It's, um, yeah, kind of a dry, dry, crushable beer that has some hop additional and uh, kind of new school hop flavor and aroma. And our yeah, ours is called Guest Experience uh, Decapitator. <laughs> and it's a uh, it's really the 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 names for this one are, are endless. It's it's something we can do for for ten or twelve years. But it's the premise is obviously Brandon was a guest. Um, there's a f- kind of famous. I wouldn't know famous, but like meme page around here that really talks about the, the, the guest experience and guests being, um, you know, a, a polite way to describe Jerry maybe, or, or I think they refer to him as Bruce technically. Uh, but yeah, how, how, how Jerry loves to carry their skis. Uh, Jerry can come up with incredibly creative ways to carry their skis. And so that's kind of what this uh, collaboration series essentially is based based upon. So we did one last year with our buddies from Solomaker that was called the Texas Suitcase. Brandon shows the Decapitator. This is another famous way of carrying your skis. I mean, I'm sure we all know there's, you got the hobo, you got the the offering, you got the bazooka. You got, I mean, it's 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 endless. So 
it makes people, you know, it makes people laugh if you're, if you're, uh, you know, we're obviously in a ski town and talk to a lot of people that, uh, that kind of understand what we're talking about, but, uh, not talking down or bad about anybody, just, just creative, interesting ways to carry your skis. Brandon did a good job of demonstrating the decapitator. Uh, so if you look at the label, uh, yeah, he, he did a good job modeling for it. So. Cause that's actually the hardest part is like capturing, you know, sometimes capturing Jerry in the wild, actually performing these, uh, these stunts. So yeah, Brandon had to do some modeling for it. It's really true. Like the better you get at skiing, our creativity in terms of ski carry plummets, just plummets. It's totally downhill. You, you just, you go right to We're, the local. That's all you do. You know, yeah. you're, you're eliminating so huh. many you know, possibilities really. It's true. Okay. So Bonus points for all you out there this the, for the remainder of this season and then, you know, just going forward. It, you know, if you are, if you fancy yourself an advanced or expert skier, let's see a bit more decapitator going on, decapitator stees out there on our totally. way to the chairlifts. Especially if you, you know, especially if you like totally. consider yourself a creative person, like why just pigeonhole yourself with the local, right. you know, you gotta, there's so many more opportunities. That's true. I like this. Okay, you two are two of the biggest beer dorks I know, and so I need to push Thank a little. Thank you kindly, Jonathan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're two of the biggest dorks I know. I just was being nice with the qualifier, uh, yeah. beer dork. But um, let's get in the weeds a little bit more. You've kind of spoken around how this isn't just a pilsner. What did you call it, Connor? A new world. Yeah, I, I call it new world pilsner. Pilsner. Mm-hmm. Okay, Brandon called it a West Coast Pilsner. So talk a bit about specifically what are some of the departures from a traditional Pilsner or more traditional Pilsner? Shit ton of hops. That's the biggest thing. <laughs> okay. Um, wow. Yeah, I mean, there's been, I would say, <laughs> several iterations over the last maybe decade or two um, in the American brewing industry to create a really hop forward version of lager that is drinkable and sellable. Um, and there's not really been a lot of great success there necessarily. Um, there's been hoppier and hoppier American versions of pills. And I think you could like argue that there are some examples that are, that have a pretty long standing success now that would qualify within this category. But the somewhat more recent development has been to approach this rather than brewing a super hoppy beer and then fermenting it like a lager to produce the final product to create something that's a more traditional approach to lager on the front end, um, but just really, really heavily dry hopped, which I'll kind of leave it at that to not get too deep into the weeds about the technical differences of what I'm trying to convey. But um essentially brewed like a lager and then hopped like an IPA, but on the cold side. So it's not excessively bitter, still drinks more like a lager, but then sort of hits like an IPA, kind of the, kind of the general vibe of the West Coast Pilsner versus a lot of things in the past have been uh, brewed like an IPA and they drink like an IPA, but with a really bad balance because they've been fermented with lager yeast and it just doesn't quite hold up to the process as well. I don't know if that was enlightening or just more confusing, but that's kind of the idea. We're going to keep going on this. We're going to, we're going to ask questions till we're clear. 
Connor, I mean, we, I think in maybe both of our previous conversations, um, the first conversations I had with each of you, like help us understand these styles, right? So what is the difference between when we're talking styles, when does something veer into IPA land versus what makes something a lager versus what makes something a Pilsner? How specific or blurry are these lines? Uh, uh, Connor? I mean, they, they can be blurry, but uh, I think the easiest way to describe it is, uh, you know, any, a lager would be like an over-encompassing. So there would be like lager and ale. So lager is generally made with lager yeast, which lager yeast is fermented colder, generally around 50 degrees, whereas ale yeast is generally fermented around 65 degrees, let's say. So lager yeast tends to be a little bit cleaner, a little less estuary, um, a little more beery. I mean, easy way to describe it. Uh, and then, you know, Pilsner is obviously is like a, you know, a substyle kind of underneath all, within lager. So um, Pilsner is generally of the lagers is usually a little drier. And, you know, traditionally, at least in Europe, yeah, has a little bit more bitterness. Uh, I would say maybe a, 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 on the upper end of traditional lager beer when it comes to bitterness, but isn't necessarily um, still isn't really necessarily like hop forward um, when it comes to aroma and flavor. Yes, from the lager side of things, there are there is a little bit more hop character to them, but I don't think your average consumer would necessarily describe them as like a hop forward beer. Um, and then, yeah, this you know the the new world pilsner is essentially just kind of like. You know, there's there's been a lot of in the last like five or six years, like people are even maybe a little bit longer. People have been adding a lot of hops to the dry hop. So essentially uh, to the cold side of the beer. And the great part about that is you get all this flavor, you get all this aroma, but you don't get any bitterness. You really have to or not. Yeah, you don't really get any bitterness. You have to add the, the hops during the brewing process on the hot side, like when the when they're being boiled in order to necessarily get bitterness. And so. It's a, I think, you know, oftentimes we run into consumers that are like, oh, I don't like hops. And it's just like, well, do you not like hops or do you not like bitterness? There's two different things. And for the average consumer, oftentimes they associate hops with bitterness. But really, um, especially as like hazy IPAs become more and more popular, is like people actually do realize that they do like hops. And there's a, you can add a lot of hops to a beer and not make it bitter. Um, so that's what's kind of great about this style is it's like it is this really like crisp, easy to drink, dry style of beer but then it has all this extra aroma and flavor from these kind of new hops so i remember the first time i I remember the first time hearing about this style i was like that's stupid like why would you do that that doesn't sound good at all and then i went to the source of this place that really started making them and calling them the style and had one uh and it was like one of the most eye-opening hoppy beers i've ever had and so um i've been intrigued by this style of beer um we've brewed i think like four or five, six of them. Um, cause I think it is a great, uh, it's a great blend of just like great drinkability and, but something you want to stick your nose in, uh, over and over and over again, cause they really, um, can smell amazing. So, and taste amazing. So let me just one follow up on that. What was so eye opening about your first experience with this type of beer, as opposed to the many iterations of hazy IPAs out there where, there's quite a bit of hops, no bitterness. In fact, sometimes these things are finishing like a, a slushy smoothie. <laughs> yeah, I think that I think the difference is uh, is it's hard to drinkability is such a like a, a, a 
it can be kind of a dumb word to be honest, but it really describes it as far as like, it was unbelievable how much aroma this beer had, but still how like clean and easy to drink it was. Uh, I think that's the difference maybe between a lot of, uh, uh, you know, when it comes to like hazy IPA, what a lot of people think of as like something that's a little bit sweeter. Um, man, I, I sat at that bar and I think I had like five of these uh, of these beers before I left and before I got in my Uber and I did not drive uh, and left this place because I literally could not stop uh, drinking it, like sticking my nose in it. And um, I'm, I'm someone that, that definitely kind of drinks with their um, with their nose, I would say. And um, yeah, it just it, it sounds painful. <laughs> not through, no, I didn't say through my. I didn't say <laughs> snorting. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just think it's um, it's just a great yeah a great. Uh, like blend of like modern kind of like modern and traditional at the same time. And it like really hits what consumers are, are looking for in like new, newer styles of beer when it comes to hops and aroma and flavor and fruity flavors and whatnot, but just really um, drives home the uh, ease of drinking um, that, which is what, you know, lager beer and Pilsner traditionally is really known for is uh, something you really shouldn't necessarily uh, they're Yeah. They're just easy to drink. Brandon, what do you have to add to this? Yeah, well, one thing that I think uh, you mentioned that I'd like to comment on too is that you were talking about how people often associate hops with like, I don't like hops or I don't like hoppy beers and maybe it's bitterness. I think a lot of it is honestly just bad beer. Like so many people have just had a bad example of hoppy beer. A lot of people brew really terrible hoppy beer because you can throw a lot of hops on top of a terrible beer and almost kind of mask it. But the reality is it still tastes like a terrible beer. I am almost willing to bet that barring an allergy or some severe food reaction um, that would change this. Think of any style that you think is absolute trash of beer that you've ever tried, like you guys personally or anyone listening to this. I can almost guarantee you there's a world-class example that would blow your mind. Um, Because for every beer that I thought, I don't like this, I have eventually found one that absolutely blows my mind. And what I've learned is that it's, it's less about what I like and it's more about whether or not it's done well by the person creating it. So that was just a something I wanted to mention because I think a lot of people write off an entire category of things very quickly based on one bad experience. And don't have the experience with that thing to just realize that, oh, like I just had a bad version. Hmm. It wasn't that I dislike this whole category. Connor, do you agree with that? Because I'm not sure I totally do. And I'll bring up my example in a minute, but I'm curious if you agree Um, with that. No, I mean, I think I I would think I agree. Yeah, I mean, I think I agree with that. It's weird that like when you're talking a lot of times when you're talking to, you know, I think I was referring to like maybe uh, the customer that like isn't really into craft beer at all or just like drinks craft beer every now and again or or whatever, Um, which is we, we get tons of those types of folks uh, in the brewery and, you know, we have lots of beer flavored beer for those, for those folks. Cause that's generally with, you know, but they really, beer. you know, want to drink or someone that actually, I, I was sitting with a good friend of mine uh, who's not a beer drinker at all. Um, and we were actually talking about uh, another one of these beers, actually these new, new world Pilsners or West coast Pilsner that I actually brewed around the same time um, as we brewed their first collaboration with Brandon. This one's called Stibbit. And uh, this, 
this guy, he just drinks pale yellow beer and he referred to Stivet as, as bitey. He's like, it, it was, it was a little bitey. And I was like, what are you even talking about? <laughs> but it's, you know, sometimes people just like a little bit of extra elevated bitterness, you know, is maybe not something that they like on their palate. But getting back to, sorry about the, the sidetrack. There's a lot of, uh, especially hoppy beer, there's a lot of old beer around, unfortunately, uh, everywhere you look. And uh, that can that can definitely really create, I think, a, a negative uh, connotation in people's minds, especially when it comes to hoppy beer. Because uh, as we know, hoppy beer uh, it ideally really needs to be consumed fresh. And unfortunately, for the average customer, it doesn't really think to look about look at dates or just think, oh, there here's a you know a new a hoppy beer, and I'll grab it. And little do they know that that beer is actually six months old. So, yeah, there are there are there are plenty of bad beers out there. There's unfortunately also plenty of really old beer um, available to people as well. So, and old beer equals bad. Generally, beer. yes. Mm. Yeah. With some exceptions. Yes, with some exceptions. Brandon, no old hoppy beer equals bad beer. Yes. Old hoppy beer. <laughs> with, with some exceptions. <laughs> Name them. Barley wine. Oh, yeah. You're in that barley wine kick. Yeah, I am in a barley wine kick. I want to I wanna be the king of barley wine. Or at least like maybe like in the court of the kings of barley wine. I like it. I like when a people night. just state their ambitions. So, we're, we're going to keep yours high. You don't get to backtrack now. You want to be the king of barley wine. At a minimum, a night of barley wine, ideally king, yes. Okay. Okay. What makes barley wine different here, Brandon? It, I think barley wine uh, just gets better and better with age. And I would say up to a point, but I haven't personally experienced it. I drank a barley wine that was 30 years old um, about a month ago, and it was incredible. And there's very few things in the beer world that have that kind of age statement. It's relatively familiar in the world of wine and liquor to have extremely old things um, and appellations, but uh, beer, not nearly as much. There's only a few things that I would say really improve significantly with age, but barley wine was originally one of the hoppiest beer styles made. Um, and uh, it's ironic because part of what makes them so good with age is that the hop character uh, fades, but sort of just really the preservative qualities of hops kind of allow it to age gracefully um, in a way that's different from other beers that experience that kind of aging. So, yeah, barley wine, the antithetical beer, and my beautiful <laughs> love song. <laughs> barley wines generally are between what percentage ABV, or is it not generally, but always? Like how strict are we on sort of parameters of what constitutes, quote unquote, barley wine? There's an organization that defines parameters for classic style. And I would, I, I think they put barley wine somewhere in like the eight to 12% category. Um, I'd say probably minimum eight to 10% to be really considered a barley wine. Um, but other than just the upper limits of what you can really get without distillation, I wouldn't necessarily say that there's an upper limit for barley wine, but probably don't see very many over like 25%. And rarely do you see them above 15 to um, 20. But we've definitely put out quite a few in that 15 to 20 range. Yeah, I would have. I'm surprised to hear you say 8% could constitute. I, I would have guessed sort of 
12 to 14 minimum and then 16 to 20 being on the higher end of things. I would say that, you know, this is a style that dates back to uh, several hundred years and um, their ability to ferment beer to the same kind of alcohol levels that we can today was severely limited um, with the knowledge and technology that they had at the time. So when this style was created, fermenting a beer to 8% was a real feat. Um, probably beers on average were more like 3 to 4%. Um, and uh, for a lot of different reasons. But um, yeah, uh, as we tend to, Americans take things from the old world that were perfectly happy being, you know, one level of something and double or triple them um you know to to fit our needs or not needs isn't the right word but whatever egos i don't know just go go <laughs> america big, go america go big or go home yeah got it all right i should let you guys get going here soon but a, just a couple final questions one crystal ball time the craft beer world like it or not sure is looking at trends and trying to jump on trends or trying to create new trends. I'd be curious, whoever has the, you know, whoever gets to their, the, the answer out first gets to go first here. What are you seeing already or what do you suspect is going to sort of be a new trend, a new wave in the craft beer world? Where are we going a lot of interesting answers. To yeah, that I mean, question. I think, I think uh, the, you know, you ask a brewer, a brewer would have a very different, uh, oftentimes a different answer than a consumer would. Yeah, well, guess what? You two are brewers, so I'm asking brewers. I mean, I think we would l- like to see, and I think we are seeing, I mean, um, a trend towards uh, a little bit lower, you know, in craft beer, at least a little bit lower ABV, potentially um, a little bit Lager is becoming a little bit cooler, a little bit more interesting to consumers. Um, you know, I think we've experienced it where, like, you know, uh, you're really into hop, into really hop forward beers and drinking the the bigger beers, and then you kind of just get a little bit of fatigue. And whether it's getting older or your palate is changing, your palate is shifting. Um, but I've noticed even with consumers in the in our brewery talking to people who come in and drink a lot of pills, lager, or especially this new world pills. And people are like, yeah, it's just, I used to drink IPA all the time. And now I just like, I don't know, I just can't do it as much anymore. So it's kind of nice. Um, yeah, obviously we're in a unique place where we have, we have to make so much 5% beer. So we, you know, we don't drink too much, but I think the number one selling skew in craft beer right now is what a 19.2% or 19.2 ounce, nine and a half percent beer. Um, so yeah, who, what the hell do I know? Um, uh, the number one selling craft beer is a nine. Isn't it Brandon? Isn't, uh, the food arranger in 19.2 ounce format? Like, yeah. One Um, one of the better selling skews. I'm not sure about which. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure which format is the top seller for them right now, but yeah, I mean, and we're, I don't know the last, three years trying to winnow out a, what the long-term trend is going to be has been damn near impossible because literally everything has t- been turned upside down 
back upside down, backwards, forwards, and around again throughout the pandemic and just sort of the fallout from that. But I will say that I was reading an article uh, over the weekend that was really interesting. And it was written by VinePair. And uh, it was the title was uh, craft something along the lines of like craft beer needs to lighten up. And I expected it to be about consumers wanting breweries to brew more approachable, lighter beers and stuff like that. What I found, which was really interesting, is they were talking about how craft is currently experiencing a plateau um, in the market. And one of the stated, you know, suppositions of this article is that the reason is, is it's become kind of pretentious and that a lot of people are getting turned away from craft because they're walking into breweries or talking to brewers and the people that are serving and hosting them are kind of turning up their nose at their beer knowledge level, you know, and like, uh, I don't have time to sit here and explain to you that an ale and a lager are different things and, you know, have become annoyed and tired of answering these questions because we have had this really big wellspring for a while of what's felt like a lot of educated consumers that just know that stuff and you can just kind of rattle rattle off everything you want to to them um, and they'll just kind of eat it all up. And so I think it's a fair point that this industry has become somewhat pretentious and condescending to the people who aren't a part of it. Um, and it's become a turnoff. And that's like a big part of what this article was talking about. And I would not say that all breweries are equally guilty here. I think it's as things tend to go, it's a vocal minority of brands and voices in the industry that that make it appear a certain way. Because there's tons of breweries who have been super community forward and education forward and outreach forward throughout this whole process. But that most focal echelon of beer over the last couple of years has just gotten like totally absurd. Um, and I will absolutely claim my own responsibility here. I write six page blog posts talking about macro oxidation. So, um, but I, I think it is a challenge that, um, it's something I've tried to like work into my Christmas party speeches every year for the last seven years, which is like, don't, don't ever like show up and think that uh, we have like just got this made for us um, and that everyone who walks in here um, like owes us something because of some reputation or some presupposed position we have. Like try your hardest to earn every single person who walks through our doors um, decision to come back, you know, treat it like we did the first year and um, the second year and the third year, like fight for every single uh, good review and good customer experience that you possibly can. And some people are going to be dicks and you just got to like try to let it roll off when that happens. But um, it's, it's been super fun to see like with us opening our newer tap room um, and having a different audience there. We went from this like downtown environment to this very industrial environment and a lot more just people of all ages and all levels of knowledge coming in and just being like, do you guys have any amber ales? And you're like, uh, sometimes, not all the time. It's not like what we specialize in. Um, but let me try to get you to the closest thing that you might like. And if I can't find something you like, then keep your eye out for when we brew that amber ale again. 
And I think that that's, that's a personality that especially in the upper echelon has been a, a little bit lost um, for a minute. So I think it's interesting, like beers lightening up, but also like attitudes lighting, lightening up in the craft beer world is a trend that has been uh, maybe requested, if only by this one author. That's interesting. And I, I think, first of all, while you were talking, it makes me think of bike shops and bike shops more than ski shops for whatever reason, but it's tends to be more bike shops that kind of get that reputation of being like, man, I walked in and the freaking guys, guys, uh, behind the counter just made me feel like an idiot. And they were like rolling their eyes because I didn't know, I couldn't remember the name of the latest electronic shifters or whatever. And you know, that sucks. And I mean, we talk about that all the time. Like if there's shops out there doing that, who are sort of making people trying to get into mountain biking or gravel biking or any kind of cycling, if you are discouraging those people because you need the world to know that you know more than they do about stuff, like I hope your shop gets hit by a meteor. Like, I wish you know, like, you're only doing bad things for the global bike community. And, um, you know, we talk about that a good amount on Blister, the kind of snooty skier bike shops. And I hear, Brandon, what you're saying, you know, but I do also think, like, I hear you and it's like, but wait a minute. I want you guys to still be willing to talk about the care and attention and things that you each are excited about in the brewing process, and then just being willing to share that with us. So I don't know that there's an algorithm here for how to do that, but but and I let you guys speak to it. You both are not only brewers, but you're running you're running tap rooms. Maybe you just play it um, as if somebody's just coming in and sitting down with an old friend, and they just want to have a beer or two and have a good time. Great. Have a good time, folks. But if you're sensing that they want to get into the details, you're willing to make that move as well and 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 take them on that educational journey. Does that does that seem right or how how do you approach this? But it makes me nervous to be like cuz I've had this actually with both of you in like off the record conversations where you're both like, "Oh, it doesn't really matter. It's just drinking beer and that's fun." And I'm like, okay, yeah, but like, come on, you two think about this a lot. So, but, uh, yeah, but I think, it, I think it's just, I want it I think both it's ways. just uh, uh, knowing your customer, you know, like I, I tell my staff and I have to remind myself too, that um, to kill people's kindness, look at everyone as just uh, be as nice as humanly possible to, to, to everybody and yeah, if people want to, if people want to dive into the weeds and, and dig deeper, we got it. But the goal is to never beat people over the head with it, to try and make it as simple as possible for people to make a decision. Or, you know, we, I think when you come to our tap room, like we have, I, we have pretty lengthy descriptions sometimes, probably maybe a little too lengthy for some people, but it allows you to, I think like if you're sitting at a table and you do want to learn a little bit more about what you're drinking, you have that opportunity, but yeah, we, we just get so many people that, that just want something that's easy to drink that uh, that 
you don't need to to get into the weeds, but I, I think it's just it's just analyzing your customer and analyzing who you're talking to and and realizing with a few questions, you know, asking them a few questions uh, about what they're looking for, and yeah, you can I think you can pretty easily um, pare it down to how much information to provide them because yeah, we can. I think the simplest beers are the ones that we almost nerd out about the most. You know, those are the ones that really require all the attention to detail, but oftentimes they're also the ones that people don't want any detail about, you know, and that's totally fine. They just want something easy to drink. You're just trying to make them happy. You know, and that's what really hopefully beer is doing for people. Yeah. And I think it's interesting too. Like there's, there's also just a different time and place for stuff. Like, um, you know, we've got Instagram where we, you know, I try to pare down all of the, you know, weeks of research that I've put into a beer into like three or four sentences. Um, and then there's blog posts where, you know, you can speak to some of those really more detail oriented beers and processes in a longer form. Um, we've also actually created a second Instagram called NIB behind the beers where I just try to do like a 90 second, uh, rendition of verbal information about new beers to try to split the difference between those two extremes. Um, because I, I love talking about beer in detail, but I have watched the eyes glaze over on <laughs> thousands of humans at this point hmm. um and rightfully so because <laughs> like if if i try to ask somebody a simple question about my bike and they start going into some nonsense that i don't understand then like i just feel stupid and lost and like to your point it's it's being able to look at the person who walked through the door and understand that like you know like one person brings their bike in for a tune at the beginning of the season. They just want to hear like, yeah, this is a rideable bike. Um, and another person like really wants to have high power efficiency and they have the budget to replace their entire drivetrain um, and chain and everything every season because that's important to them. Um, but when you're the former customer um, and you're just looking for there's no immediate threats to life, um, you don't want to be talked into spending $500 on shit you don't need. Um, so to, to go back to your bike example, I, that one actually hits kind of close to an experience I had about a week ago. And I was like, <laughs> I'm almost ready to be done with this sport. I'm so tired of this shit. You know, my, yeah. my worst experiences yeah. are generally in like lumber yards or like lumber or like, uh, hardware stores. Uh, I've never been made to feel like such a moron as going into a, like a hardware, like a, a hardware store, or lumber store, or whatever. And I'm just being like, I need to do this thing, and I need this part, and I don't know exactly what it's called, but this is what it looks like. Like, uh, don't make me feel like a dipshit. I just, uh, you know, like just help me. And it's it's a shock. I, I feel like my <laughs> I, I understand the bike the bike side of things for sure, but for me, it's like the the like lumber store, lumber yard, uh, hardware store. Uh, is the most frustrating consumer experience on the planet. Um, yeah. Huh. All right. Well, I hope meteors hit those. There's a few I would really like to hit. It, like those meteors to hit. Let me tell you. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, we'll make yeah. our list and figure out the tech. Well, Brandon's probably smart enough to figure out the technology to direct probably. meteors yeah, at I'm our um, snooty 
snooty uh, business entities of choice. So we'll, we'll... why meteors when you could just down a Starlink satellite? <laughs> <laughs> there you see. This is why we're putting you in charge of this. Uh, okay. Um, final question. Um, people who would like to try these collabs, where can they find them? When can they find them? What's the what's the information? What are the details here, Connor? Uh, you kind of got to come to us. Uh, you know, we, we're such a small brew. Seems snobby. So, that seems so pretty snobby. snobby. <laughs> you can only get yeah. it here in Park City when you go to ski Deer Valley. Yeah. Um, Deer Valley. No, I mean, we're such a tiny little brewery that our beer doesn't really go very far. We just don't make enough. Um, <laughs> uh, we, we'll have it on draft uh, and in cans. We're canning it tomorrow, hopefully weather permitting if we don't get if yeah my employees can actually make it to the brewery if we don't have too much snow uh and then we have a couple of accounts um there'll be a, a place couple a couple places in salt lake that will have it uh on draft um but really yeah it's we're so small you kind of need to come to us to uh to really fully experience it or actually even just try it because yeah we just don't make very much beer brandon yeah ours is available uh, around the Denver metro area and a little bit throughout. We sent a handful of kegs out um, into the market, not a ton, and a handful of cans as well. So I'd say probably a you know handful of the bars and restaurants we work with and a handful of the liquor stores that we work with um, should have it available. And uh, if you can't make it, find it at one of those spots, then swing down to one of our tap rooms. And um, we released it, what was that? last weekend so we'll probably still have it for another week or so um at our tap rooms hurry up people go get it well hey i always enjoy talking beer with you two and other things as well brandon i'm personally sad that you have been spending so much time this winter in utah because i have been rolling through wheat ridge quite a lot the last couple months and then I'm always like, yeah, he's not here. He's just skiing Deer Valley Pow with with Connor. So come back. Come see us. We need to hang out. In fact, the last time we hung out, well, the last time we hung out was actually at the Blister Summit. You were a very busy man at the Blister Summit. And I, I had a couple things going on there. But um, I guess- Turns out people really like to drink beer after skiing. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? But uh, I was remembering our, our, uh, our mountain biking- uh, in Utah. And, uh, so we need to do some more of that soon, if not some backcountry touring. And then Connor, I'm, I don't know when I'm going to be in Utah, but I suspect I'll be there in May. So, um, I, I want to come through. I need to get in on one of these offset beer community events. We've been talking about that for a while. Yeah. We got, uh, so we got I got three more, uh, two more weeks two more uh this week and then two more weeks until that uh, uphill ski club is done and then yeah we do we do the run club year round and then uh, who the hell knows when we're going to be mountain biking here man like <laughs> we uh yeah bike. maybe 2035 yeah, exactly. at this rate yeah. august uh which kind of stinks yeah. but um we i may or may not be here in may so we may yeah, be and I in going, germany uh, we're taking that bro we're taking that bromance to europe baby what? Wait a second. I was about to let you go. What? And first of all, thanks for the invite. 
Remember the guy who introduced you the two of you originally? You don't even invite on the Germany. <laughs> and uh, we might trip? even go to a ski factory, Jonathan. Wait a second. All right, sorry. You just prolonged this podcast at least three more minutes. <laughs> what exactly is happening in Germany? Uh, a little beercation. Brandon and I are going to go. Uh, yeah, we're flying to Munich, man, uh, the nineteenth, and the, through the twenty ninth, driving around Germany, Austria, Czech Republic, back to Germany. Yeah. Getting our learn on, drinking some log, traditional lager beer. Might stop by the Blizzard factory, throw a little high, couple high fives while we're there. We'll see. So this is May. You're talking yep. May 19th through the yep. 29th. Okay. I've never felt so proud and upset at exactly the same time. Like, I'm so happy this is happening. And I'm also so mad that there was no, I got no heads up on this. So I don't, it's conflicting. It's a new, new emotion for me. I'm going to go sort out my feelings about this, but that sounds yeah. awesome. Looking forward to it um, for sure. So. I haven't had a vacation in okay. a really, 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 really long time. And uh, yeah, so looking forward to it. Amazing. The, this, the love story is flourishing <laughs> beyond, you know, ways I even knew. So uh, this is great. Well, I will let you gentlemen go. You got, you know, bromance trips to Europe to figure out. So uh, I'll let you get back to it. But um, always appreciate it. Really admire what you both are up to. And really above all, um, well, one, you're very nice people and good people who I like, but I really appreciate the attention to detail that you both bring to the table at your respective operations and when you collab. So keep up the good work. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for the, the platform letting us speak. Well, we'll do it again sometime down the line. Maybe we'll have to check in with you from Germany if I don't make that trip. But uh, I might need I might I might need a trip report. <laughs> that'd be funny. That'd be that'd be fun to do for sure. <laughs> All right. All right, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Well, that's it for this edition of Crafted. I want to say thanks to Connor and Brandon for the conversation and for making great beer. Thanks to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this episode. And thanks to you for listening. And if you are enjoying these crafted conversations, we would very much appreciate it if you would take just a second to leave us a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. And do also check out our list of Blister Craft Collective companies. Take a look check out their products, stop by their companies when you're in the neighborhood, and I promise that's going to make your life quite a bit better, actually. All right, everybody, till next week, have a great week, and we will talk to you real soon.